What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from Off Guard, and I've got some exciting news. Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi, is officially moving to our own podcast feed. We are now dropping two shows every week. Me and Pasha go way back and talk so much hoops already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on these conversations. Every week, Pasha and myself will hit on the biggest stories happening around the league. Tap into the show twice a week on our new Off Guard feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it you can work out in it. You can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Thursday night from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Sphere, Kevin Happy New Year! Happy New Year. We are back. It's our first episode of 2024, and it is right after watching the Bucks versus the Spurs, which was not necessarily a highly anticipated TNT affair and yet became one of the most memorable Thursday night affairs I think that we will have the entire season because of the Spurs being so competitive, making the Bucks and Lillard and Giannis win that game, and then on the other side, Wenbanyama putting on a show of shows for the world to see in the Spurs getting a national TV game, despite the fact that they have got enough wins that you could count on your hand. Great game. And <laughs> the highlights from this game, you know, you just see the compilation already, you know, as they're as they're putting out the highlights on NBA.com, ESPN.com as the game's going on. And it's like Giannis with the and one through traffic, Wemby with the block and then the step through three. Uh, Wimby behind his back finishes at the rim. I mean, the the highlights are crazy from this game. And that was a treat. I think for anybody that tuned that in, got way more than they bargained for. It was one of the games of the year. I, I had so much fun. I, I was laughing at myself watching that game. The sequence with a little bit under two minutes left when Wemby blocked Damian Lillard and then he hit the game-tying three-pointer uh, to make it 121-121. And then Giannis goes back on the other end and just plows through everybody to score and take the lead back for the Bucks. It, it, it was just, it was really the Greek freak against the French freak all the way through from start to finish. Giannis was unbelievable. 44 points on 28 shots, 14 rebounds, 7 assists. He was absolutely dominant. And Wemby 
I mean, like it was another one of those games, like you said, Chris, with some of those plays you described where he just showed the upside of what he can be when this all starts clicking offensively because he's already in the turn defensively. He had the big block on Giannis as well down the stretch of that game. It was truly a pleasure to watch. It was. It's going to be interesting to see going forward. I know Trey Jones is going to be absolutely sick about missing that corner three, which was a great look. Um, But the Spurs did look so much better. Now, that can go two ways. Is that a function of playing against the Bucs, whose defense has been under the microscope in a huge way this year? Or is this a function of a young team that was given their opportunity on TNT and played out of their minds because they know everybody's watching? Or is it because they put Trey Jones in the starting lineup and they look like they have a semblance of a real basketball team. Like, I have been of the opinion they've got enough players to be much more competitive than they have been this season. Their season's been a disaster. Going into tonight, they had a worse point differential than Detroit. And Detroit is like, got the memes on Instagram every day for being the sorriest team ever. Yeah, Pop- Popovich should be sending Monty Williams flowers every single day for I just, know. just distracting from the fact that the Spurs are... I mean, they're, they're, they've played really ugly basketball this year. And a lot of that is because of coaching. Uh, sure. I just don't feel like there, there's any accountability in terms of feeding Wembenyama. And I don't feel like that team has really a, a structured system, which young teams often need. It feels very freelancing like those great Spurs teams once had. But those great Spurs teams had years of experience and elite of the elite basketball IQs. These young guys need more structure. And I don't feel like... They have that really on either end of the floor. Well, but part of that was something that you supported. Experimentation with Jeremy Sohan at point guard. And because they pulled we the plug saw, on it. And we already saw a year of Trey Jones at point guard, and we know he is a bad three-point shooter. We saw that in the final moments of the game as like a sub-25% guy from three. We, we know he can create for others. But he's not necessarily the sole reason why Wemby had a big game. Wemby had a big game because Wemby was taking things into his own hands at times with post-ups and that crazy scoop shot that he had. I, I don't even know what that was. It was like a finger roll out of a post-up. It was nuts. Like Wemby had a big game because Wemby is an alien. Not because of Trey Jones or Jeremy Sohan or anybody else in the team. It was because Wemby alone made that game happen for himself. So I got to see him earlier this week in person. And there's been a lot of the Chet, 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 Chet's contributing to winning. Chet's on a really good team. Uh, You know, the stats are similar in most cases, all this kind of stuff. And this is not in any way. I, I feel like when you talk about two guys, it feels like you've got to tear one down in order to no. build the other one no, up. No, no, and that's no. not what I'm not doing at all. Not but at all. what I am telling you is I have never seen anything like Wenbanyama. Never. No. I mean, it, seeing it in person the other night in a game, I mean, the, the team stinks. The team absolutely stinks. But watching him, I, it's a, I think it's the first time in a long time that I made sure I was at the arena extra early so I could watch a guy out there warming up. Curry's one that typically I want to get to the arena and I want to watch that. It is just such a show every time. And you can't believe a guy can hit this many threes in a row. And then he does the half court thing. He keeps backing his way (laughs) up all the way to half. I mean, it's just freakish. Um, (laughs) But I showed up there to see Wenbanyama early uh, before that game. And just watching him warm up on the court, it's, I have seen things like Chet. I have never seen anything like this guy. And if he were on a good team or he were on a team that was well-structured and played good basketball, I think we're going to look up and barring injury, we're going to look up in three or four years. And I don't know what you're going to be able to do with him. He moves like those other guys that are 6'9 and 6'10, like those kind of like the unicorn guys that we've fallen in love with. He has a fluid nature. He's not plodding. And 
He's got this crazy amount of like skill with the ball. Well, too. he had the the around the world. And then he's seven five. He's seven five, and you see him. You're like, bro, how is this happening? Doesn't the play that sum that up from tonight with the the transition take where he went around the back and then he uh, dunked it? I mean, that sums up exactly what you're talking about with the height and skill combination. The dude is unlike anybody we've ever seen, and I I think with the Spurs, I mean, you can point to. The coaching, you can point to the roster, the personnel, you can, the minutes restriction that he currently has after the ankle injuries that he had at 25-ish minutes per game. But I don't think the rookie of the year race is over by any means. Chet is putting up superior numbers uh, in terms of scoring efficiency. He, he's playing more minutes. He's still having ridiculous nights on defense. I think Chet should be an all-star. And I think Chet should be in the all-defensive team conversation. But Wembenyama individually should also be in the all-defensive conversation. It just so happens that the Spurs as a team suck on defense. You can't do it all alone, and that's the difference between the Thunder, one of the best teams in all of basketball, with their collection of pieces that they have, and the Spurs, one of the worst teams in basketball, with what has been shoddy coaching this year, with a young, inexperienced roster versus one of the best coached teams in Dagnall and the Thunder. So for Wemby... Despite all that, he still has higher usage than Chet, you know, higher assist percentage, higher rebound percentage, some of the the more advanced stats rather than the raw point per, points per game, rebounds per game numbers are better than Chet. So, look, it's only early January right now. This race is not over. Uh, Wembenyama could have a massive close of the season, and so, so could Chet. Chet could get better, too. So it's not it's nowhere close to over. I thought it was a good moment because as a function of being on such a terrible team, For people sure. had gotten a little down on him. And I yeah, think tonight was a very good reminder of just what a special talent this guy is and how it's just, it's like nothing we've ever seen. You did ask the question in there though, Chris, <laughs> how much of it with the Spurs success tonight was because of the Bucks defense. Which is abysmal. I mean, they gave up 140 whatever to the Pacers and lost their fourth game to the Pacers this year. Just yeah, last game. So I don't know. <laughs> what, what were your thoughts on the Stephen A. Smith said? Uh, he's the Adrian Griffin's going to coach himself into getting fired. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that any time, and we are seeing this, we will get to it later. With the Darvin Ham situation, anytime you have high expectations and windows are not infinite, you know, you're not building towards like, like say somebody like uh, if you go through some struggles with Mike Mark Dagnall, it's like they are exceeding expectations now. And if they like, if they ain't got to win right now, they don't have to. Right. But like if you're coaching LeBron and you're coaching Giannis and Dame, like you got to make sure this is happening with, with Middleton and Lopez, no less. Like, you got to make sure this is happening in more short, short order. And so the well, pressure they are, they are is going to be greater. 25 and 10. 25 and 10. And that's 10. the crazy thing. That's the crazy thing. Yes. It's like they, and they started five and four. So do the math on that. Sure. <laughs> I mean, they're 20. So they're 20 and what? Uh, what did you just say? 10? So they're 20 25 and 6? and 10. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy because with the Bucks, we're like, eh, you know, is it going to be, you know what I mean? Like, we, we see some chinks in the armor on them. On the other side, if we started talking about the Clippers, who are like 20 and 5 in their last 25, we'd be like, oh, God, the Clippers are awesome. And they're in the title contention, right? Of so course. it is yep. all relative. Like, they got mm -hmm. basically, and they may overtake the Celtics. Celtics got a really hard schedule coming up, a lot of games and a lot of days. Those teams, we're going to be talking about those two teams next Thursday night after they play against each other. And I think we might be able to learn a lot after watching them play. Totally will. And, and I, I think with the Bucs, it's, it's such an interesting conversation this year because like you said, they're winning games. And part yeah. of that is because of games like Giannis had tonight where he's just dragging the team to victory. Like he, like it felt like he just took that win tonight for the Bucks. Those two guys had the last 25 points, Kevin. Unbelievable. Him and Lillard. Yeah. It's like, yep. I mean, that is in and of itself crazy impressive. Yes. 
And then the caveat is, yeah, it was against the Spurs. For sure. And so, I mean, that's the caveat. Like, okay, so they had to, they had to do this against the Spurs, who right. stink this year. But I think with, with Milwaukee, it's it's interesting because the, the problem is defense, right? Uh, they started the year horribly. They were probably the worst team in the league the first couple of weeks. And then the Bucks asked Griffin to go back to the scheme from last year. And that happened on November 4th. They're 16th in defensive ratings since November 4th. So they're middle of the pack. They're not dominant like they were last season, but they're not at the complete bottom of the barrel like they were the first couple weeks of the season. So that's an encouraging sign of progress for the Spurs. However, I think you see like in games against Indiana, games tonight against the Spurs, where they're not exactly quite where they were scheme-wise last season. Uh, like think about some of those past Bucks teams where they would sag off of average or bad shooters and try to get them to shoot threes. The Bucks would give up a lot of threes. Now the Bucks are playing tighter, higher up, closer to the line. That's leading to sequences like we saw with Keldon Johnson tonight where he's just blown by defenders. He's getting defended six feet behind the arc when he has the ball in his hands. He's getting picked up way too high, and he's able to back cut past Pat Connaughton, who looks like really slow this year. So it's partially scheme still, I think. It's partially personnel. Like, obviously, you lose Drew Holiday. You replace him with Damian Lillard. You have Malik Beasley. That's not great point of attack defense. Connaughton's not the same guy right now. Part of it is a lack of hustle that last season they were eighth best in points allowed per game in transition. This year, they're eighth worst in points allowed in transition. So I think it's a lot of little things for the Bucks that are adding up to make them average ever since they made the switch. I don't think it's unfixable by any means. But maybe, you know, getting Jay Crowder back will help a lot. I still believe in Andre Jackson, their rookie wing, giving him more opportunity and making some more little scheme fixes that could have the Bucks right back up under the top 10 on defense. But they definitely do have to solve it. Well, I think that's why I think we were down on, right? Because we had, because of the basketball gate and everything, and we knew there was smoke between <laughs> those teams, we were like, man, they're going to play each other on January 1st. And then they're going to turn around and play each other on January 3rd. That's going to be amazing. And they lost both. Yeah, by a lot. You know, and they gave up 122 and 142. Mm -hmm. It didn't get better. (laughs) Second game. Like, you're typically wanting, right? Like, okay, I lost. Now I go back, right? We show our game film. We fix what was a problem. And then we come back. Like, that's the way... That's the ebb and flow of every playoff series we talk about. That's so what it that's was in I've, December, too, right? right? In December, they they got torched by Halliburton in the in-season tournament, and then they adjusted in the second game with more pressure, right. like the Lakers did in the championship game. And I think that's what makes this all the more yes. disappointing, because you sit there and you go, okay, this is the ebb and flow of something. It's like, why are you giving up 142 to a team that does not have a second guy? No. They don't have yep. a second guy. And, and that's got to be worrisome uh, if if you're a Bucks fan watching them because it's like, okay, right. we, we know some of the fixes. Where are the adjustments other than just throwing out a zone? They did that against the Spurs tonight. They've done that. You know, they did it in the in-season tournament game against the Pacers too where they just throw out a zone. But I, I think the Bucks have a lot of work to do defensively. I'd like to make see them... I think Malik Beasley needs to be de-emphasized in the rotation. I don't think the Dame Beasley backcourt is what you're going to want to have in the postseason, especially with certain series against some no of these. No way. These, no, like some of these quicker playmaking guys, like I just, or even like the bigger, stronger guys, they're going to have to like to stop. Like if it's Jimmy Butler, That's something right. like that. I mean, I I think they need to make. No, some I think changes once there. once they can get Crowder healthy, they'll move Middleton over and they'll start. That helps. That does help. It but does. Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder's not the same stopper he was in his prime, and even even in his prime, he wasn't like a top of the line defender. He was just a good hustling defender. He's not great a team defender. He's a yes, great team defender. Well, and look, he's like freaking Gary Payton compared to Malik Beasley. Of course, yes. It's the improvement over what you're replacing more so. Yeah. So I do think that could help a lot. Get in on all the NBA buzzer beaters, ankle breakers, and tomahawk jams with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 
$50 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. There's live, same-game parlays. You can find bets from the new Explore tab. You can make parlays in the Parlay Hub. There's a ton of different ways to bet. And on Friday night in the NBA, you could take a look at the game lines. You could decide, I'm going to take the Magic plus 10.5 on the road against the Nuggets. That's a scary bet, though, with all the injured guys Orlando has. Or maybe you'll look ahead at the Futures with an NBA Finals bet. Maybe Oklahoma City. The odds are looking pretty good for them as a complete underdog at plus 2,300. You might look at awards. Victor Wembanyama is not the favorite right now over Chad Holmgren, but after his big game on Thursday night, plus 140, maybe he's able to pick it up at the end of the season and take back that top spot. So if you want to bet on the NBA, visit FanDuel.com slash mismatch and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Another team that I just recently saw, in fact, I saw him play last night, was Toronto. And we've got to talk about them because quickly was great last night in the game that I went to. Oh, man. He was sensational. And they downed the Grizzlies. Um, but we have not talked about the trade since it happened. Uh, between them and the Knicks, which was super fascinating. And I thought one angle that didn't get talked up nearly as much was I I laughed as soon as I saw the trade, not because of the participants in the trade, but because like we like this summer there were like all those stories about those two teams suing each other. <laughs> like if they can get past that, anybody can make trades, right? Like what a weird conversation. These are like, aren't these teams trying to have lawsuits uh, against each other? And now they make this deal. Um, obviously, Ananobi and Precious are Tibbs guys to the core. Like, that's the kind of guys he absolutely loves to have. Um, RJ Barrett. Great fit goes for the Knicks, man. Really great Toronto. fit for the Knicks. Yeah, RJ Barrett goes back to Toronto quickly. Obviously, uh, in Toronto as well. Originally, before we saw anything out on the court, I think you were of the opinion you liked it for both. Yeah, you thought this yep. was this was a, this was a good deal for both of the teams. This wasn't a clear win for one team or the other in the trade. Yeah, before before the trade, uh, before we saw these guys on the court. So this was Saturday, New Year's Eve, right when the deal happened, or or what was it? When did the, when did yeah. this deal happen? Just the thirtieth, something like that. Whatever. It was. I, I think it happened yeah. January first. Yeah, some, whenever it was, but it all has blended together <laughs> since we've yep. been off the air the last week or so. When it happened, my initial thought was like, oh, this feels like one of those rare mutually beneficial deals. Like usually when trades happen, it's players for picks or proven player for unproven player. Uh, this is, you know, proven guys for proven guys. And I, I think that the the thing that makes it make so much sense here for both sides is for the Knicks, you you need this size and wing defender. You, like OG Ananobi is what they hoped RJ Barrett would be, right? Like the, with the reliable spot up shooting, the the more consistency on offense and the better defense, the better size. This is what they wanted RJ to be, and now they have him and OG Ananobi. And Precious Achua is going to be, I think, an interesting fit for them as well moving forward. And for, then for the Raptors side, I think what we've seen in the two games is exactly why I was so excited on their side of things. Not as much for RJ Barrett, who's still upside player, but largely because of Emmanuel Quickly. Quickly, we saw him in that Memphis game on Wednesday night. The dribble handoffs, the kind of the, the fast and slow between Scotty Barnes handling the ball and finding Emmanuel Quickly. Those two together, the dribble handoff potential between them, the pick and roll potential, they are a combination with their dramatically different styles with Barnes being so big and wide and strong, still with some quickness, and then quickly being just a speedy guy who's just like, at, he's behind the three-point line and he's at the rim in a flash. You're not going to want to switch that two-man action. You do not want to switch a quickly Barnes dribble handoff. And so I think for the Raptors, this is going to be something that's still in the infancy stages right now, but this will grow and could become one of the more potent two-man games in the league if quickly 
is the guy that can take a leap from really good player, sixth man of the year candidate to potential all-star. And I, I think he has that in him. We know he's got defense. He had the canard block in the corner, which was absolutely nasty. I don't know how he managed to get that. And then offensively, the Knicks just, they didn't believe it could work with him and Brunson being such a smaller backcourt. But the Raptors have the right personnel for him, I think, to completely flourish. I do think that weirdly, though he was not able to flourish in New York, I think it was great for his career to be yes. a part of winning, to be a part of. And and you juxtapose that and the reason, you know, everybody's excited about quickly in Toronto, much more so than RJ, is because as we've chronicled many times on this show, I thought RJ's career was done a just enormous disservice. The the first three years were it, it, really t- two to three where the whole Fizdale switching out coaches, switching out GMs. It was just a debacle. And he's just in the middle of all of it. And this one, he's trying to come into the league. Meanwhile, Morant's flourishing Zion's flourishing. I just think it could have gone a lot different for RJ, you know, but those first couple of years. And so hopefully he gets a new lease on life and he can become something more than just a guy, you know, just a guy. Because that's what he is. He's just a guy right now. Nobody sits there and goes, wow, he could really become a big star. And I do think he had real star potential coming into the league. And I think that part of it's on him and part of it's on the situation that he was in, which was just crucially bad for development with those tanking teams, with the swapping out of the coaches, with the mess in the front office. And and then by the time they got good, Right. He's not exactly he's he's not your Tibbs kind of guy. Yeah. I mean, RJ, RJ still, I think, despite some of the chaos in those early years, he still panned out to be a a solid player. And I I don't I don't necessarily think that's going to change. He's just so streaky. But it's like he's uh, he's so inconsistent. It's a score like it is if, if he were drafted to, you know, a a golden franchise, would that necessarily change the fact that he is just an incredibly streaky scorer? He did, That might just be who he is regardless of circumstances. You know, and he doesn't ever, like, you know, he can get you 20 points. I know. Yeah, but it's that, maybe they, like, he, it's maybe Harrison Barnesy in yes, the sense that when I, Harrison that's a good, Barnes That's a good was, name to bring up. Good name. You're right. We're, Harrison good Barnes is good. Yes. And, and he's and been good. RJ is good and too. RJ is a good player. Right. But he's a guy. He's going to have a good yeah. long career not and I think there was a lot of people that thought Harrison Barnes could be a, a a big star possibly in the league. And RJ, like he, he's also had you know stretches where he looks like a great defender as well. It's not like he hasn't developed some very positive habits. He can playmate sure. a little bit. He's just not a lead guy, which is what the Raptors hope quickly can be like one of your three best guys. And you said uh, I thought it was that you brought up Barnes after seeing him last night. He's amazing. I'd, I'd whittle down a little bit, though. I don't like all the extra size. He looks a little bulky to me, not not overweight. I'm saying, like, I think he's one of those guys that tried to get, you know, uh, he obviously hit the gym. The guy's a monster, right? And But I do in what, think In what that, way that, is this negative for him, you think? I just think he, he, he was a super athlete. And I just think that the, the super athleticism doesn't jump off to me in the same way that it did. I mean, he's shooting 38, 39% from three right now. He's I got you. Ripping down I got you. 10 Don't, rebounds a game. He's going coast to coast. I say this as I, I love him. Yeah. I love him. I think you just you be, just think there's even more upside. Yeah, I think he's just one of those guys that packed on a ton of muscle because he's like I got to deal with these guys down at the paint and I think you lose a little of the blow by stuff and the above the rim stuff when you do that. And I think it could probably serve him better. Uh, but you know what? I might be wrong. I don't know. Maybe he, he, the guy is, he's something to behold. He is so, he is huge. He is huge. Um, now they got a real interesting thing because are they just, they just going to rebuild this thing on the fly. Yeah. You know, we always think about like, oh, hey, somebody's going to tear it down or blow it up or, you know, they're just going to try to get picks or whatever. It seems like, that trade was a signal that what they're going to do is they're going to try to alter this by getting players that they can build out around Barnes with. And so now 
that whole Siakam piece becomes super interesting. Like you may be able to just, you're, you're not ever getting terrible. You're just altering the roster on the fly by doing that, right? Because we've, we went within a year's time from, oh, they'll move Ananobi for three first round picks or four first round picks or five first round, whatever, right? They got real players that they're going to build out with. And then they can decide what the future is with them. And do you think that sends us a message on what kind of package they would use other guys? Obviously, Siakam is a big name that's out there and does not have a contract going forward that this is going to be the mode for Toronto, that they're just going to build out on the fly by getting more good young players maybe to build out around Barnes? It does seem like that. Doesn't it feel like that they're yeah. kind of they're fitting finding guys who fit the Barnes timeline and they want them to grow together and and Siakam he's going to turn thirty years old before the season ends yep. he's going to be a free agent next summer I would imagine Siakam doesn't fit that timeline and well, with Barnes Pascal, will also be better with him out of the way I think so they play I mean, the I, same position yeah I mean in some ways and in, in other ways Siakam when he's I mean his last four games he's averaging over 30 points and he's shooting like 60% from three so I, I mean you, you, you're better with a guy of that caliber on your side rather than the other side so I think on, on one side on one hand that's true on the other hand yes for Barnes to be the number one guy on a championship team if that's what you believe he can be then sure, you need to move the nearly 30-year-old guy out of the way. And, you know, in return for Siakam, you could theoretically get a ton of pieces that further enhance Barnes, like quickly enhances Barnes. Quickly is a piece that makes Barnes better as a a smaller guard, a creator, to pair with him. Siakam could also be turned into pieces that make Barnes better, whether that's via the draft or immediately in the return from a trade. So I, I I agree, like trading Siakam should be their priority ahead of the deadline on February 8th. But I I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing in the world if you end up re-signing him. I I don't think it, it is detrimental to Barnes's Barnes's ability to develop because we've we're seeing Barnes turn into what he is this year with Siakam as a teammate. It's not bad for him by any means. I just think you can't you can't lose him for nothing. You can't let it no, get no, in no, the no. offseason no, 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 no. then he leaves no, for no. nothing. Right? Oh no, that like that's the risk. I, I think you gotta trade him. And by the way, why would there not be a ton of interest for Pascal Siakam? He could fit of course there will be. literally anywhere. And there's not many teams right now that are actually selling. There's just not a lot of sellers out there. So the one the one team that is selling the Raptors, uh, if it's Siakam or if it's the Bulls with Levine, who do you want to help me win a championship? Zach Levine or Pascal Siakam? Yep. It's Pascal Siakam, obviously. That guy's right. amazing, and he already has won a championship. And on the Knicks side, the Ananobi results are already there. Like hey, the, you great. can tell Knicks fans Perfect. fell in love immediately, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. He doesn't even know what he's doing yet, and he's going to be a great fit. Tim says the hard eye emojis like popping out of his face right now. He's completely he's going to be a great fit. And he also is going to make and him and precious. That's just going to be one of those teams. that's going to be a bitch to see when you get to playoff time. You're going to be in a war with them. Yeah, you just for are. sure. Because they they because they, they got they got a bunch of Rottweilers on that team now. And it's a shame that they lost Mitchell Robinson. Um, you know, I think having him as a rim protector is important. I don't know, but uh, this Hartenstein has turned into damn Will Chamberlain. Uh, Hartenstein's really good, man. But more than anything else, Julius Randle, man, like that dude, he got off to a horrible start to the season. I I was saying things like you can't win with this guy. He's not trustworthy, but man, like that dude, some of the shots he's hitting, the clutch performances he's having down the stretch like he did this weekend, uh, the defensive ability, the versatility, the intensity, the toughness. He looks like he's back to his all-NBA level, except better, except better. And for the Knicks, like their roster is starting to take complete shape. Uh, I said this at the time with a trade. This feels like a part one to me. And like I think Woj's reporting since has proven that to be true. Woj said on Countdown yesterday that the Knicks, whether it's before the deadline or more likely this offseason, they view this as the deal to set them up for the next deal, to the next star who wants out to cash in on all their other first-round picks that they have, including their own, including picks from other teams. 
they're trying to set up for that next big move, regardless of who that guy is. I'd just look at it and say, we've got these like four where it's, you know, we got Philly and Boston and Milwaukee and now Miami. And those are the top four teams in the Eastern Conference right now. We certainly think at the end, it's the most likely group of four. We know crazy things can happen. The Knicks feel to me like the one of the, like once you go down from those four, they're the ones that you're like, oh, crap. Like the other ones, it's like Indiana and Orlando and like these, like they're the ones that you want to stay away from because it's like, Jesus, we're going to have to play six or seven games against these guys, even if we're better than them. Yeah. It's going to be a, it's going to be a war. I agree. I mean, in Indiana, their offense is brilliant, but the defense is, I, I don't think it can survive a seven game series. The Magic, it's the f- complete inverse. Their defense is great, but their offense, unless they're, they're hitting young. 60, yeah, they're young. And unless they're hitting 60% of their threes, like they did the other night against the Kings, their offense stinks. And even while they were hitting those threes, I, I, I don't know what Mosley was doing with some of those lineups. With, I, I don't understand what's going on there, even though guys are out. The magic offense stinks. So I like the Cavs, I guess they're a threat as well. The Hawks, you know, with Trey Young, they've had some playoff runs as well. But the Knicks they're more than awful. anything else. That I know because the Hawks defense is terrible. Uh, the Knicks have a good team on both ends. They're the team that feels more complete. Yep. So I think Knicks would be like five or Cavs, six. Other yeah. than that, I mean, whoever's got, you know, if, if you're facing any of those other teams, I don't think you're sweating. So we were talking about the that was the big trade that already did happen, and maybe we will get more before we even get to the deadline. You wrote about three teams to keep an eye on, to watch as things heat up going forward. So let's kind of talk our way through those. Uh, which one do you want to start with? I mean, I think, I mean, it's about three teams to watch for trade stuff, uh, but I think more than it's anything all West, else, right? It's all West. Yeah, yeah, but I think more than anything else. Like for me, I, I hope one of the takeaways of the articles was like thinking about the landscape of the league in the sense mm. that right now, yes, Denver is the favorite. Yes, they are the defending champions, but they're not quite yet a juggernaut. Like they're not a, an unbeatable team, I don't believe yet. Um, and and I I think the team to look at as the next potential juggernaut, in addition to the Nuggets, if they keep getting better, is the Thunder. So, like, the Thunder, they're already great despite having the second youngest roster in the league. They have 37 future draft picks, 15 first and 22 seconds. They have a bunch of young guys that aren't even playing that have talent who could be getting minutes on a bunch of other teams. They are loaded with assets to get better. So I think if you're if you're looking at the landscape of the league when it comes to contenders and what your competition is going to be for a championship, the window is more open right now then it might be as soon as next season or the year after that. Never mind if you're looking three, four, five years down the line with what the Spurs could look like if they get it right around Wembenyama, for example. So I, I think one of my points on that is the window is open today to win a championship and to pursue it. And so I think teams need to be really aggressive and mindful of what the league could look like next year and the year after that because windows can close fast. It can. So I think for... I wrote about the Warriors and that uh, the Warriors, the Thunder, and the Kings as kind of three examples of different timelines right now. The Warriors, the dynasty of the past, the Kings is kind of the newcoming team, newcomer team that it feels like they're kind of in the same spot as last year, and then the Thunder who are just you know surpassing everybody. I think all three of those teams, in their own ways, should be aggressive. The Thunder probably the least aggressive of all of them. But the Kings should be going hard after a guy like Pascal Siakam. The Warriors, they got Draymond Green coming back soon, apparently. According to Woj, he's at least going to rejoin the team after being away from the team, which how, is weird. How weird, how weird is Isn't that it strange? that we've never gotten a timeline? Isn't it? All, all of it is. The timing of everything this week is weird. Uh, TMZ releases a photo of <laughs> Draymond Green at a, at a costume party for LeBron James's birthday. And then the next day, Steve Kerr in front of the media is saying, he's been giving us our space. We're giving him his space. He's away from the team. He hasn't been with us. And then the next day on the radio, he's like, well, I mean, that was part of it, him taking time to himself and all that. There's reports about how he's been in Southern California. And then today on Thursday, 
it comes out that he's expected to rejoin the team soon and ramp up activities to come back. And all the timing is really, really weird. How about them just having a random ass number for how many games he misses? I know. Like, yeah, what? Well, yeah, what is Why the criteria for like, returning? Is, <laughs> how, do you, how do you handle the next one? Like, you know, whether you agreed with it or not, Morant got in his trouble and they said, you're out 25 games. Mm-hmm. You're out 25 games. Yeah, that's it. And no, 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 no number for Draymond. It's just the weirdest thing. I don't, like I don't. He, he slugged <laughs> the guy, and they're like, eh, <laughs> "We'll figure out when you." Weeks, eh, we'll throw weeks a dart after, at the board. We'll see when. Weeks after strangling Gobert, months after stomping on Sabonis, a year after punching his own teammate Jordan Poole. It's like this is crazy. <laughs> I know it's all. It's how all are they very getting strange. away? How are they getting away with it? Like within the players' association and everything else. Like, uh, how no. do you handle any other situation going forward? And say, okay. This guy, he's out for whatever, 10 games. Or this guy's suspended for five games. It's like, what? And then he's expected to return soon? Like, yeah. <laughs> why would they never give a timeline for this? It's just bizarre. Yeah. So so with these teams, though, I mean, like, you get this Draymond situation for the Warriors. It's been interesting to watch them play. Right now, they're facing the Nuggets as we record our podcast here. They're down five yeah. almost at halftime. It's been it's been interesting. Like I said to you at the time of the second suspension, the silver lining is we get to see the young guys go to work, and I yeah. think that's proven to be true. Like they're they're above five hundred since Draymond went out. Kaminga is playing the Draymond role on offense. He looks really good. He looks great actually playing the Draymond role on offense. He's whipping the ball around the floor, making quicker decisions. Trace Jackson Davis is playing ahead of Kevon Looney right now. Looney looks like a statue. He's not moving well. Jackson Davis looks very, very good for a rookie. He's just got to learn some of the the little things like setting setting screens within the flow of the offense for Steph, some defensive rotation stuff, but Trace Jackson Davis looks great, and I think Brandon Pajimski, the the touches that are trickling down, Chris Paul obviously handling more of the ball with Draymond out, Pods getting more opportunities as well. He looks great. So I think there's silver linings for the Warriors. It's just their defense still sucks. Their defense sucks. Well, let's just say this, Kev. You know, you've been telling me, and I know that this was a conversation we've had throughout the season. And everybody says, like, oh, the West is so strong. The West is so strong. There's just too many good teams. There's no, very few bad teams or whatever. Like, okay, there's a lot of average. It is average. It is a lot of a lot of mediocrity, a lot it's of, a like, lot of average, slightly, like, slightly above average teams. Yeah. I mean, when, when we talked about it, you remember I said, like the top three are Minnesota, Oklahoma City, and Dallas. Well, now look, Dallas is in like a play-in. Right? It's like they were a week away from being a play-in. And you look at them and the Lakers and the Warriors and, like, they're all these bunched-up teams that are just, like, right around 500. And so it's very NFL-esque. Yes, in that a lot sense, of right? a lot of couple parody. really good ones, and then there's a lot of nine and eights. Or a whatever. lot of parody, which which plays into my point about how I think the window is open, and this is a year to actually invest and yeah. try to go for it because there's yeah. so many there's so many teams that can feel like you know uh, we got a shot, right. we got a shot, and, and I think if like you're the Kings, and if you're able to turn Harrison Barnes into t- Pascal Siakam. That doesn't necessarily make you the favorite, but if you're getting a guy who over his last five games is averaging 30 plus points on absurd efficiency and who over his last 25, 30 games is averaging like 25 points and dominating ever since his slow start, Siakam is a major player that I think like the Kings, the Kings, they were, they had conversations for OG Ananobi. My understanding, like Shams reported last month that they had interest in OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. My understanding is their OG interest wasn't much more than just like calls. I think their interest is actually in Siakam. That's when they'll put draft picks on the table. That's when there'd actually be real interest in making a competitive offer, which they didn't to compete with the Knicks. So I think the Kings are going to be looking for deals. Uh, I, I know Kings fans are pissed off at me on social media for saying they're not a championship team. They are not. 
this week they get smoked by the Hornets, who were missing five guys on a long losing streak on the road in a back-to-back. And then it takes two overtimes to beat the Magic, despite having two key players out from within the game on the road on a, in a back-to-back, a team that has not been good recently. The Kings have problems that need fixing to capitalize on De'Aaron Fox, who is absolutely awesome this year. 30 points per game on almost 10 threes per game, almost 40% from three. He has taken another step in his career to go from really, really, really good player to, oh my God, this guy, he can be the to- a top 10 player on any night. And Sabonis, I mean, like, look, I don't think, I think he's got some issues defensively, but that's where the trade comes in. Offensively, that dude is a force. There's no doubt about it. I'd like to see him shoot more threes, and maybe that'll happen post-trade depending on who you get. I just think the Kings, they are a move or two away from being in the conversation. So why would you not try to go for it before Denver gets even better with their youth, before Oklahoma City cashes in on those picks? you got to go for it. Well, and I would also look at it and I would say, all right, there's Denver, and that's the that's the boogeyman, and that's who everybody is going to yes. have to get. But the, the title is going through Denver in the end. In okay? all likelihood, yes. And the Clippers have gotten their shit together, and Kawhi looks great, but you know you're they're turned ankle away, and 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 it's a it's like a real thing. Can are they going to make it through the entire time with those guys? There's real reason with Harden and 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 George and Kawhi to think. Man, are they going to be able to make it through the trudge of the season and then the playoffs? And but I would look at them as like a very dangerous matchup. And the other ones, as good as they've been, they haven't done it yet. Minnesota hadn't done it yet. Oklahoma City hadn't done it yet. Like there is something about going through. You know, it you you got to win three playoff series to get there, right? And you're going to be taking on uh, good coaches and good teams in those playoff series. And usually veteran teams are the ones that are able to get it done. But I would look at it like you're saying and go, man, you know, there's a lot of parity with this thing right now. And there's really one that's out there that we know. Like, we're going to have to somehow beat a Murray-Jokic pick and roll. But everybody else, we could compete. Well, that's how I'd feel if I'm if I'm if I'm mm-hmm. if I'm one of those teams ranked a little lower right now. In the Clippers, they made their trade to get into that conversation that's by right. going to get Harden. Who's going to make that trade next? Will it be the Kings going for a guy? Will it be the Warriors cashing in some of their future picks? Try to get bet from like below five hundred out of the plane right now, back into the top six. Like who who's it going to be that makes a trade to bolster their chances? And by the way. It could even be a team like Minnesota. like Even though they're number one in the West right now, there's nothing stopping them from going for a backup point guard to try to improve there or adding a shooter. There's nothing stopping Oklahoma City, despite how young they are and despite how good the vibes are from saying, yeah, you know what? Let's give four first-round picks and go get Lowry marketing. You know what? Like, there's nothing stopping them from trying to bolster their odds as well. So all of these teams, I think, should be going for it. The window is open. The championship is achievable for a lot of teams right now. But really, there's only four or five right now that I think don't need to make a move to win a championship. How can you be that sixth team, that seventh team that can say that? Yeah, because I would say there's four in the East that I would look at and I go, I ain't better than them. Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, Miami. That's right. And there's one in the West. Denver. Yes. Because they did it and because they have Jokic. Yes, that's it. They're the one. They got all the playoff scars and they got the best play. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, 
you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. One of those teams that has fallen back a great deal is another one that you would look at, and that's the one with LeBron and AD. And AD's playing, been playing out of his mind. But And we'll see. Look, the uh, Grizzlies are playing them tomorrow night in L.A. And now there's some drama. I got a report tonight saying that Davis is probable, LeBron is questionable for mm. tomorrow night's game. And you've got this Sham story coming out today where... Yovan Bua, Sham Sharani, that was big. Yeah. Three and eight to close out December, and they're starting off the new year dismal. And 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 with those three, like a couple of those are like San Antonio and Charlotte. So I mean, they have just been in a bad, bad way. And you've got this article that comes out from Yovan and 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 Shams. And <laughs> if you read the article, uh, you know I know everybody just sees the headline and then reacts to the headline. That's that's the way things are now, right? I do have a subscription to the athletic. <laughs> really? So that, that's, a, that's all that happens on social media? Did you just read the headlines? <laughs> yeah. So I actually did read the article. What a and shame. It's, it's way worse than the headline. <laughs> um, <laughs> it really is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> What's going to you from that one? <laughs> uh, the first thing that stood out. <laughs> <laughs> the top 12 things that stood out. <laughs> no. This is, I mean, this one jumps off the page. Because it's like, it's a writer's way of saying, this ain't one one guy, you know, this ain't a, a source tell me. Now, there, there could be protecting whoever is telling oh, you is, this. Is this, is this the, 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 the six sources? Six, <laughs> six sources with direct knowledge? Like, what I the know. hell? What? How that was funny. Six, six sources with direct knowledge told us that, uh, that that they're raising questions about the head coach's standing. I mean, six sources. How often do you read that? Six sources. That specific number never to, happens. According to six sources, everybody yeah. is sick of Darvin Ham's rotation. That, that, that that's something in like political journalism that you see. Fourteen sports sources spoke with the Washington Post. It said. Those sources have described that the disjointedness between the coach and the team has stemmed from extreme rotation and starting lineup adjustments recently from Ham, leading to a fluctuating rhythm for several players across the roster. Okay, now, I am going to tell you this. Uh, as we've said many, many times, the hardest job in the NBA is being LeBron James' coach. We know that. Everybody, the only one that's mm -hmm. ever been able to withstand it is Eric Spolstra, right? Oh, it's well, not we a know, fun we existence. Know Braun was one of those six. <laughs> he did it. Right. He left without talking to the media that night because he was talking to them. <laughs> well, I mean, look, they, they, <laughs> and what's crazy is this dropping. At I am all for Darvin Ham is not doing a good enough job. Maybe Darvin Ham, but for whatever reason, those guys are not on board with him. I, I, it is your job to keep your best players on board with you. And when you hear their reactions, it's very disconcerting anyway. They're not hiding it, right? When they're asked about Darvin Ham, they're not hiding it. I, I, I'll, I'll give you an example. I'll juxtapose it, right? So I went to that Memphis game last night, and they get beat by Toronto. Taylor Jenkins goes in there and says, this is on me. I've got to do a better job, blah, blah, blah. You go and ask the players. Desmond Bain's like, no, F that. We're players. We get paid $20 million. This ain't on him. We've got to close out on threes. We've got to make shots. This ain't right because they like the guy. They're on board with it. You go in the Lakers locker room and you say, hey, what do you think about, you know, 
you know, AR was back at the starting lineup tonight. Like, yeah, I do, you know, it's just, it's, it's really hard. You know, nobody can catch a rhythm. And it was like, you could tell they're like sneak dissing the guy all the time. We've gotten to that point with them. And that's when you know that a coach is in trouble is when, again, you've got to have the best players on your roster on your side. That's rule number one. Rule number one of being able to survive as a coach is having the best players of your roster on your side. I do find it interesting that this whole Darvin Ham thing comes out and the discontent with Darvin Ham and it, it, because it places the blame on Darvin Ham. That team turned the ball over 22 times. They were four for 30 from three. And it's not like they're shooting a bunch of contested ones. And LeBron had 12 points on 18 shots. Okay. He had a rough like, night. Is Darvin Ham's fault? What? I mean, l- listen, like, I think, I think with Ham, he, he 22 does. 22 turnovers. Yeah, but Ham, do- Ham doesn't necessarily deserve blame for that loss against the Heat. But some of the lineups that he's throwing out there, as noted in, in the article with like the, the lineup with the five forwards without Reeves or D in the starting right. lineup with Vanderbilt, Prince, Reddish, AD, LeBron. That was dumb on the surface. Like dumb. Lakers fans were all over it as soon as it was announced. Like, really? You're doing this? Well, and it was and terrible. Here, here's the problem, Kev. You know, you have to, as a head coach, you, the, the uh, NBA players want to be A, prepared, and B, yes. Know what to expect. Know what your role. What is my role? What yes. is my role within this team? And if that is constantly fluctuating, I'm in the lineup, I'm out of the lineup. I'm in the starting lineup, I'm not in the starting lineup. I'm playing with the, you know, I'm I'm Austin Reeves, and now I'm playing with AD and LeBron. Well, now I'm Austin Reeves, and I'm playing Bingo. with Joe Blow and who uh, Cam Reddish and uh, Jackson Hayes or whatever. And I know they've had a ton of injuries. It has made it hard. I think that is a fair excuse in order of like just settling on a rotation. Well, I, I mean, it. you're, you're, but Ham saying that after that game, your opponent didn't have Jimmy Butler. Right. Well, he even excused that. He said it's easier when you down a star. <laughs> I cannot believe I that comment. I really cannot. I, I, look, it. Dar- Dar- I'm not here to tell you Darvin Ham's a good coach. I'm here to tell you it's bullshit for that to come out, and so his days are short. Yeah, uh, it's I mean, bullshit it, for them to come yeah. out. He did, they turned it over 22 times. They missed 26 of 33s. They play like dogs. LeBron doesn't guard anybody, and they get their ass kicked. And meanwhile, AD's having this amazing season. And then they leak it to Shams that you know, Darvin Ham is Listen, the reason that look, they lose. Look, I mean, he's. I don't. I don't think anybody takes that as personally. I didn't read it as Ham is the sole reason why they lose. Uh, of course, it does. Six sources said Darvin Ham is the reason we suck. Yeah, but that, that six sources said that Ham should not be the coach. Not that. Not that the team doesn't need further changes. Not that the team doesn't need to make a trade and cash in their future pick and flip D'Lo. There's more that needs to happen besides changing Darvin Ham to I don't know like, who, who, are they, who, who are they, they going to hire Phil Handy, Doc Rivers. <laughs> don't take Doc from Bill Simmons. I'm loving those podcasts. Get, those get guys, Mark Jackson. Get Mark Jackson. God, Mark Jackson with the Lakers would be the funniest thing. But don't take Doc from Bill. Doc's been great with the Ringer. Uh, I'm really loving the Doc pod. They but, can't but no, shoot, no, but like, Kevin. But they can't I know, shoot. I, exactly. So they need to make. Changes. They need to change the rotation. Cam Reddish, you get to pull the plug on that. I would love to see them give consistent opportunity. Say, hey, Max Christie, for the next two weeks, you're going to play 25 minutes per game. And we're going to empower you to shoot whenever you're open. And let's see how he does. He's a 40% guy last year in the G League. He was knocked down when he got opportunities with the Lakers. He's one of those guys that fits exactly what you're talking about, where it's like sometimes you're in, sometimes you're out. You're always playing with different guys. There's no consistency for a young player with his development. And it has not panned out for him on the court this year. But I'd like to see him get some consistent opportunity. And he played 28 minutes last night. He had two for nine. He was not great. But I'd like to see more chances for him. Because you, need, the to, only, you, the you only need to play one, some of your shooters. The only coach that has never been told they suck that's Coach LeBron is probably Ty Lue. I think that's it. I think that's the extent of the list in 20-something year career. 
everybody else sucked. And it's also possible. It's a, that, it's a terrible job. It's, it's always. I know, is. but it's also possible. Ham is just a dud. I don't regard, think. So. Regard, I'm, I'm just saying that's possible. It's possible. I the team, so. the team should not be as bad as it's been since the in-season tournament. It just shouldn't be. And I know that is in part due to player performance. But, but, when, but when you have Anthony Davis performing at this level, but what is and, LeBron performing at? What level I mean, is he performing? I at? mean, LeBron. LeBron was not great last night, but he still had plenty of other dominant games. Still had plenty of other great nights. So he had, he, and they're still losing games. And that's in part because of the roster. They made mistakes. We see Hame You Hakez. see LeBron hey, having listen, a bunch of amazing Chris, nights and them losing. Really? Yes. That's yeah, what you're he had seeing. Like Thirty five points last week, and they lost. He had like twenty six, eight and eight against the Wolves or whatever it was. The day before New Year's Eve, he's had some they're really, not, really good games. They're not better than the Wolves. But my point is, is that I think this team is still better than they have performed. That doesn't change the fact that they <laughs> well, still they have been awful. Look, look. Yeah, I mean, I'm of course. Yeah, they, of course they're better than that. <laughs> they've been horrible. My my point here is that I think they can be better than they've been with the existing roster. That part of that is on Ham and the rotations and the choices that he's making. Part of that is due to the personnel. The Lakers offseason was not as good as it seemed to be on the surface. Vanderbilt has not been very good. Prince is okay. Vincent was a waste. They took Hood Shafino in the draft when they could have taken Jame Jaquez. They had a bunch of mistakes this offseason that hasn't that haven't panned out. And we'll see what they do ahead of the deadline. They need to make the, changes the or, 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 or else or else they're gonna waste this year that AD is having where he is playing absolutely unbelievable basketball. You can't waste this. The thing that I would 100% get on board with the Lakers, like it, it, number one, you have to have your best players on your side and he doesn't have it. That's the end of that. I'm not here to defend Darvin Ham. Yes. Okay. Clearly, thing, he, he lost the locker room. The Reeves thing is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You got three good players on that team. Yeah, and bringing him off the and bench they've been 25, healthy. 25 no, points, uh, 25 minutes for him really doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, no you could start him at point guard and you'd be better off. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Yeah. If you want to move no off sense. the Russell thing. Yeah. Like, put your three best players on the floor. Yeah. And now to possible. go back to it, that's how you lose people. Yeah. You lose people by moving Austin Reeves to the bench and then like, oh, okay, now we got to put him back in the starting line. And just feeling like you're doing dartboard rotations. For sure. Reverse it, reversing everything that was learned at the end that's of last right. season. It's, it's just right. strange. It's just so weird. No, that's weird. dumb. That's dumb. But the most important thing is not consult. Like You just have to have those. You, you got to be on board with those guys. Yeah. You know, you can't have them in the back of the bus saying you're an idiot because mm-hmm. you'll lose the, the whole roster. Yeah. And it feels like we're to that point. Mm-hmm. You know, Shams doesn't report that unless they think that. Unless LeBron thinks that. That's yep. not coming out. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's one of the six. I'm saying he's one of the six. <laughs> 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 but he's got five guys with him. Yeah. <laughs> it might be their top six guys. Huh? <laughs> it might, might be. Six sources. OD. That's, that's so damn funny, dude. <laughs> so funny. Oh, man. Uh, oh, well. Look, we're going to get to see them. If there's any team they love kicking the shit out of, it's the Grizzlies, and they play them tomorrow night. So maybe they'll get back on track. Austin Reeves going for 50 tomorrow? I hope not. (laughs) Uh, But you never know. Like, they've been in a bad way, and now that article, it's going to cause – it's going to go one way or the other. And I do find it interesting that LeBron's listed as questionable. For the game. Oh yeah, I know that that is that right. is intriguing. And are also, they going to let this? Are they going to let this thing bomb out and force them to make a decision on it? Also, the timing of all of this. I, I forget who reported this specifically or who said it. it Might have been Yovan uh, on on a podcast saying it, but it sounds like this home stand is critical for the Lakers here. So you talk about timing. They lose. They lose against the Heat on Wednesday, but now they have Friday against the Grizzlies. Sunday against the Clippers, Tuesday against the Raptors, Thursday against the Suns before they go back on the road. This home is a, a big, big homestand here. Maybe uh, by the time we're recording next Thursday's podcast, uh, Lakers-Suns, uh, we'll have some clarity on this Darvin Ham situation. Maybe they'll have won some games in a row. Maybe they lose all of them and he's long gone. 
Yeah, we just know the way this works. I mean, you remember the whole, you know, the whole, what, who was the one that all the stuff came out? Was it Lloyd Pierce or Nate McMillan? One of the, anytime we see this, anytime you get the article, the athletic has got a bunch of people telling you that people aren't on board with the guy anymore. Mm-hmm. You're in trouble. Yeah, you're, you're in, in trouble. big, 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 big trouble. Yeah, that's it. That usually, you usually don't get that corrected. Yep. You know. Congratulations, Mark Jackson. You were the Lakers head coach. <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, well, I want what what if they hire like oh, do you think they'll go within the the assistant coaches that they have, or do you think they'll hire somebody from outside? Because like I don't know, like Budenholzer or somebody like that, you think they could do that? That that's Darvin Ham's mentor. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. That would be hilarious. <laughs> no, it, it, he wouldn't even. T- I bet he wouldn't even take the job. I'm you not kidding. You, would, you think he'd pass it up? I think he'd pass yep. it up too. <laughs> go get Jeff Van Gundy. Just, just go get the real thing. Yeah, Van Gundy. Go get Jeff Van Gundy and Mark about, Jackson. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say get both of them. Can you imagine? Just let LeBron coach the team. Coach LeBron. Yeah, let him do the Bill mm. Russell thing. Coach yeah. player coach. Might as well. <laughs> It'd be kind of a cool chapter. Everybody talks about his, you know, basketball IQ. Let him coach him. <laughs> for, for the last four months of the season, just let him coach. Yeah. That's a good idea. I, that's what I want. I want player coach LeBron. I'm in. So that. he can accomplish yeah. everything. Jordan never player coached. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what if it worked? What if what if he were a brilliant head coach? Like he's it would not. I know, but let's just let's just pretend it did work. What if he was amazing? It would be awesome. It'd be pretty It'd be cool. awesome to have a player coach at the NBA in 2024. It would be so in cool. 2024, that would be hilarious. Who was the last player coach? Uh, you know, the ones that are famous are like Russell, right? Yeah, From, I, like who so was the last one? I don't know if there was. You probably Google it. Who was the last player coach in the NBA? Wikipedia opened right now. Uh, let's see. Last player coach, Dave Cowens. 1978-79 season for the Boston Celtics. Dave Cowens. That's the last player coach. Dave Cowens was player yeah, coach. Yeah, Dave Cowens. That's pretty cool. That's wild. Yeah. That's wild. All right. Well, Kevin, happy new year. It's always fun. Uh, we'll be having a bunch of pods over the course of the next several weeks leading up to uh, as this thing uh, gets more fast and furious that we get towards the trade deadline. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. Kev, I'll talk to you next week. Looking forward to it. Have a good week. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 or visit KS. GamblingHelp.com. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. In West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. In Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700. Hope is here. In Massachusetts, visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY.